Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. I am Jason, and John is here. I... And we are ready to talk about some quarantine hockey. That's right. The last time we saw you was right when all of this quarantine started back in March. So some things have changed since then. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking some of uh, Maverick hockey. It is a small sense of normalcy for the two of us. I don't know about you, John, but for me, I was kind of without hockey and, and without the podcast. It was a lot of like, what am I doing with my life? Yes, Jason keeps holding out hope that the NHL is going to have uh, some sort of They're a, coming back. Some sort of they're a coming back. Yeah, they're coming back. Yes. <laughs> and when Jason says coming back, he hopes that they're coming back like within the next few weeks here to mid-July to do a uh, special playoff format that we've been uh, seeing rumblings about uh, on the interweb. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I know you're excited about that. Honestly, I would be excited to watch some hockey right now. Yeah, outside of old games, which we've had the luxury of watching every Friday night. Yes, we have. You guys, I've enjoyed which, that. Haven't, haven't you enjoyed that? You know, we really have. I think partly because, and it, it, it'll be very interesting to talk to you about this because I, I'm sure your perspective to it is different. Having been to the games that they've aired so far, uh, there was only, I think there was only, what, two there was two that we had actually seen in person. It was the when they aired the first game at Baxter versus Air Force, and when they aired the that big win against North Dakota. Otherwise, all of the games that they've aired were games before, either before we had moved to Omaha or before uh, I really kind of started following. When we first moved here, I was still a DU fan in in a foreign land. So yeah, you, it was, you, it was interesting. Yeah. You had never had the opportunity, um, to see the inaugural UNO hockey game against Manitoba back, um, in 1997. I mean, you also right. hadn't gotten a chance to see, uh, the CCHA playoff game from 2001 or right. that CCHA semifinal game from Joe Louis arena that you and I just watched last night. Uh, right. So that was cool. Uh, they basically spent the month of May, uh, UNO did on their uh, the Omaha Mavericks Facebook page, uh, Facebook living uh, old games from the past uh, Friday nights at 6 p.m. And it was kind of fun to be able to uh, to kind of relive some of those old memories. I know your daughters, uh, your daughters were astonished by the uh, video quality from 20 years ago. <laughs> my how things have changed from a technology standpoint yeah right? asking uh asking if games were in black and white back then so <laughs> and where is the time clock <laughs> yeah oh yeah some of those broadcasts weren't great but i you know I, it, it seems like maybe that was the last game we're gonna get that that was just kind of a an event that they were doing online for may now that some of the restrictions are being lifted and people are getting back out and doing things uh, maybe that's not going to happen, but are there some games? Because I know you were kind of ensconced in the in the kind of CenturyLink Quest Center era for UNO hockey. Are there some kind of newer games that you would have liked to have seen, Jason? Uh, you know there was the there was the big win at North Dakota. Uh, Alex Blinkenberg was in net. That's a game that you know Alex has helped the girls with hockey stuff. And so there's a, there's a bit of a connection there just because, you know, it's a game that he played in, but you know, it's really hard because the team hasn't had any monumental necessarily games that I can remember. Um, yeah. It's there was the game. I think Jolene was talking about, there was a game, the game where versus uh, Miami, Ohio, and the one, I mean, I know it's a high-scoring affair, but I remember that Evan Winninger gets a goal. So I'm like, that would be a pretty fun one to see again. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm going to look up that game real quick here. I believe that was in the second half of the 2015-16 season. No, that was not in the second half of the 2015-16 season. I want to say it was the first half of... Uh, it might have been the 1617. Yeah, I think you're right. And it might have been, it was a great game. I mean, it was, it was great in that it was just, just a, 
ridiculously fun time. And it's only been a couple seasons ago. But that would just be a fun one to watch with you guys. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, 11 to 7, right. 11 to 7, January 12th, 2018. That would be a hell of a game to watch. The What do you think about the first the first ever NCAA tournament game that UNO made? Yeah, because I haven't watched that since I saw it in person back in uh, March of 2006. And I, I know that we lost nine to two. I, I get that. Right. But it would just be fun to go back and revisit a game like that. It would also, the, the other one their their second tournament game, which would have been March of 2011 down in St. Louis. That was one where I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen that one since. And I'd love to have a, a replay of that. So, yeah. And they did the, didn't they do one of the tournament games from the year that they went to the, was it the Frozen Four year that they did one of those tournament games? Or have they done any from that tournament? You know, the, okay, so in addition to UNO webcasting them throughout the month of May, um, ESPN had... It rebroadcast our NCAA tournament game against RIT, uh, where the victory uh, got us a, a berth in the uh, NCAA Frozen Four in 2015. So uh, we did get to and see I'd that. And I'd like to go back a game. I, I'd go back and I think it'd be fun to re-air their first NCAA tournament win. That Harvard game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I there There are a lot of great memories. I mean, I look at like... The North Dakota game at the CenturyLink Center where um, Alex Hudson scored with, you know, like a second left in the game. And UNO won one to nothing against North Dakota. That was uh, fall of 2010 when that happened. That was November 2010. That would be a great game to see. I know there wouldn't be a lot of scoring action, but I'd like to see some of those games. Because a lot of, a lot of for some reason, a lot of like the CenturyLink Center, Quest Center era, whatever they're calling it now era, um games from that are just kind of all a big blur to me. So I, I don't remember those as well as I do the civic or the Baxter arena games. And I don't know if that's just because it was a big arena and Bridget and I sat kind of far away. It's, it's hard to say, but there are a lot of those games there, you know, each year there, there was a period when UNO would have to go play one series per year at the civic auditorium because the state wrestling tournament was being held at the century link center. And I would I would love to revisit some of those games, particularly one against uh, Michigan uh, that took place uh, in 2006, where Alex Nikiforic went coast to coast unassisted and got the game winning goal against Michigan. Would be fantastic. I wonder what do you think about the idea of airing games where we don't win? Because it's kind of been the ongoing trend. I think outside of the the exhibition game that they aired, that they've won all of the games. I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem with that at all, Jason. I, I think there were some really good, close, hard-fought games. And again, I go back to that 2011 NCAA tournament game against Michigan in St. Louis where, you know, it was a close, hard-fought game. UNO very well could have won the game, but ultimately lost the game. A lot of fans are still seething about the call in that game uh, that, uh, that lost UNO the game. But that's one that I would... I would definitely like to watch again. I mean, there's just a lot of these these games that I I wouldn't mind being able to kind of sort of uh, kind of refresh my memory on because I just don't I don't remember them very well. And they were great kind of seminal moments in UNO hockey history. Yeah, there were some good DU games the past few years, and and I know they've had their our number, and we've had, kind of struggled against them at times, but. You know, we've had some close games that we narrowly lost. We've had some ties that we eked out. And it's a team that, you know, I think holds a bit of a rivalry for UNO at least. You know, Denver has a rivalry with everyone. So I don't know that they care too much. But on our end, it certainly does. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, if they wanted to, I, I remember this series very well during the first season, UNO uh, swept DU at the Civic Auditorium uh, in the fall of 1997 it was a great one and i remember one of those games aired on o2 tv because i 
I used to have a copy, a, a recording of it on VHS. I have no idea where that is, but they've got to have a copy somewhere. And so, you know, because I know Jason loves DU, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, one or two games featured where we swept DU in a series way back when. Back when DU wasn't very good. I know I've talked with Jason about that. He's like, we weren't very good back then. So. <laughs> <laughs> Every team has those years. Yeah, they definitely uh, do. You know, the other one, and I don't know, you'll you'll probably know right when I say this, but I, I don't remember, obviously not. It's kind of one of those before my time types of sure. things. But uh, the first WCHA game, because, you know, I think it was, it was that move when UNO came in in the same conference as DU and, you know, the, the snobby guy that I am and the belief that WCHA hockey was, was better than CCHA hockey at the time, you know, that would be the, you know, an interesting thing is, is that first WCHA conference game. Yeah. absolutely. And I don't know who we play or if we win or lose. Oh, I just think it'd be I, a, I, a key moment in history. I actually right? really remember that. Well, it was in the fall of 2010 and it was okay. actually on the road. It was at Minnesota. And we actually got a sweep at Minnesota in that first series. And Bridget and I were actually up there for that. Ah. That was great. See, that would be really cool because I think, you know, I like that they are doing it and I kind of like the games. But I'm not one to, to focus only on games that we win. And I kind of like the idea of, like, these key moments in UNO history, right? Yep. And... Even if we lose some of these games, you know, the first have the first CCHA game, have the first WCHA game, yeah. have the first NCHC game, uh, you know, the the first game in the in the NCAA tournament, your first game in the Frozen Four, you know, those are the types of games that even if we lose, you know, they're the building blocks to what the team is now and the culture and stuff, you, you know. Gab's Gabnet talks a lot about, you know, the history in Omaha and the city and, and supporting the team and, and talks about the guys having to come in and, you know, put the work in and that. And you see the stuff in the hallway when we take the tours for season ticket holder events and stuff. And you just really get that feeling that those are the things that kind of brought us to where we are now. And if this team is going to take steps to, you know, be a contender in future years it's built off of the games that we have watched those early seasons where the program's being built and they're having success and they you know find a way to beat a team that they shouldn't have in that that michigan game you know they no one anticipated that they'd even be there let alone find a way to beat michigan in the in that playoff game right they're very they're very their very first season of conference play right uh against I will, I remember that season in that I remember a lot of people thinking that Michigan was a sleeper team that year, that they probably had one of the better chances because of where they were in the seedings to make a run at the title. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's just a lot of great moments. I there's another one too, and this was uh, this was in the uh, 07-08 season. Or I think it was the 08-09 season, actually, where it was a triple overtime game against Alaska Fairbanks in the CCHA playoffs. Again, Alaska Fairbanks was not a great team that season, but it was the longest game in UNO hockey history. And it would just be fun to go back and revisit those moments because I just I don't remember a lot of those things. And I, you know, as the seasons all start to kind of blend together over time, it's kind of fun to do. And and. You know, one other note that was kind of fun about the the uh, the the chats uh, that were going on on the the Facebook live feed that UNO had going was some of the ex players who played in those games actually got on and and were posting and interacting with fans. So it was kind of fun to hear from them, kind of in a in a retrospective way. Um, it was just I I thought it was a lot of fun. I I you know I I wouldn't want them to do it like every Friday night during the off season. <laughs> Or I, I wouldn't end up doing anything other than watching hockey just year round, which Jason says is just fine. If you're watching hockey year round, it's okay. I mean, it's great, but I would never get out and do anything. It would just be every Friday night. Bridget would be, uh, would be live tweeting vintage, vintage UNO hockey games. So, so yeah, absolutely. But, but I had a good time and I, we had a good time chatting with you guys and Facebook living with you guys, uh, during those games. 
Um, I don't know what your daughters thought of it. I don't know if they thought that what they were bored out of their mind, but uh, but but at least they got to see the old I, days when UNO games were in black and white. <laughs> they did. They did like the game where you got to see Gabnet as a player and uh, some of their friends. Some of my daughter's friends are the daughters of some of the guys that are on the team. And of course, you know, we've talked before about Billy Puglisi, uh, Billy Puglisi yeah. coaching uh, Lexi's team. And so I think that was the the interest factor for them was, wait a minute, I know those guys. They don't look like that anymore. And <laughs> I don't know if they appreciate it or not. And but uh, I know the girls really did appreciate kind of seeing you know, that part of their life because, you know, they hear about it in stories and they hear passings between parents and things about what their coaches did before back in the day type of thing. And so it, it was kind of interesting, I think, to a certain degree for them. Yeah, absolutely. I... What, what do you think about the concept of doing it on Facebook? Because I will say that one of my complaints about this whole thing, as much as I appreciate Everything that they're doing, I think they're. It's a great thing that they, you know, did this knowing that hockey kind of got shortened, and we didn't get to see the the playoff games in Denver, and that. I, I'm not a fan of Facebook's video platform, and and I agree. It, I agree with a you, Jason. Pain to watch, and you know, near impossible to watch on a TV, and it's like I really wish that they would just. Put it on YouTube instead. Oh, I completely agree. That's I, as you know, I watch a lot of YouTube, and I would love for their live to, live events to be on there. Not only not only would it be nice to be able to watch on the TV because you can pull up the YouTube app and it's going to look great, but it's just also easier to go back and find and watch later on after the fact. You know what I'm saying? It'll it'll be easy. It's easier to it's easier to to find it in their uploads on their YouTube channel a lot of times than it is on their like page, because inevitably they're going to be posting the next few months, and you're never going to find that again unless you just you know just sit there and spin through their you know feed or or look at some of their live um, Facebook lives and and see if it's in there. But again, I don't know what other Facebook lives they're going to be doing, and as the months and weeks wear on, it's just going to be harder to find, and it's tough to find anything on Facebook when you try to do a search. YouTube is much, much easier. You could search that game and search the channel and you'd be able to find it in, you know, seconds. And obviously the being the social media guy that I am and that I I look at it going, they could premiere this and then instead of having to to run anything, you know, they could just spend the time while it's airing interacting and engaging with the fans in the comments on YouTube. You know, much in the same way that the players did during that game and, you know, encourage some of these, you know, if you're going to if you're going to air a game, encourage some of those former players. I know they have the connections to jump on there. And I'm thinking, you know, if they air that first, you know, that first NCAA Frozen Four tournament game or their first NCAA tournament win, like those are in the same year. Right. Right. What Gensel's not playing right now. Penn, there is no playoffs. There's no NHL like. What if what if you could behind the scenes convince him to jump on there and say a few things on this YouTube stream, right? And engage that. Like I just think people would blow up on that stuff and it would be it would be pretty awesome. And I think it's something they could throw together if they really if they really wanted to. So well, it's, maybe yeah. they're listening to this and and they can steal my idea. It's okay. I won't. Well, as you know, Jason, it's great when you're watching a, a YouTube a YouTuber uh, broadcast live when they have the super chat going and people can chat back and forth and you could have a guest on there yep. interacting. It's great. And then the, the cool thing about that is you can go back and look at that stuff later. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I would much rather it be on YouTube. I'm not a big fan of Facebook or Twitter for live video. So, uh, I'm with you on that. So if they can get the technology worked out, that would be, that would be great. Cause it's, it's a lot easier to share. Um, yeah, it'd just be great. And then I, then we could embed it later on with like a little post post event write up or something. So there, there's a lot of applications where that would that would make a lot more sense from a from a, a sharing perspective. I have no idea why they did not do this, but I was talking to a friend who runs media stuff, works in media stuff for for an NHL team, and we were just chatting back and forth on a 
messaging app and I had said, you know, how cool would it be if you played some big game from the past season or something and had one of the current players talk about like their memory of that goal and you could have the replay. So right when the replay happens, you could have the replay of the, the goal come, turn down the audio on the announcers and have the player in the little like pit box that's talking about, oh, I remember, you know, so-and-so made this great move into the zone, passes me the puck. And you know, this is what I was thinking. Yeah. And, you know, the fans were all, you know, we had just tied the game. The fans were loud, you know, those types of things. And I just think, man, fans are going to be like, oh, I'm going to relive being at that game or seeing <laughs> that go or watching on TV because I hear them talking about it. And that's something you don't get, right? That's an opportunity to give you content that you wouldn't normally get in you know, in a given season, right? Because they're on the ice. You can't, you're not miking them up to hear what they're thinking and, and what's going through their mind when that happened. But to be able to kind of relive it with them and all of us relive it together, I think is a, a pretty unique opportunity. And you might as well take advantage of something unique like that and in the crazy times that we're in. Oh yeah, take advantage of the technology. There are so many things that you can do and there are so many opportunities for you and in the future. My big hope is that they're, they're, you know, capturing some of these games, they're recording some of these games, and they're not getting lost to history because they certainly have the technology to be able to do that. And it would be nice to, you know, be able to revisit some of these new games down the road and not just depend on the games that were broadcast by, you know, CBS Sports or Fox Sports or, or Midco or, or one of the outlets on TV that we typically end up on, but that the digital games are there. And I know that, that some of those are on NCHC TV, but... Um, you know, obviously they've got like seasons worth of worth of games since the NCHC TV uh, deal started. But whatever they can do to get the best quality they can, because there's an archival aspect to this. And I just think it'd be fun to revisit them and have good quality for for people, uh, you know, watching someday on, you know, 8K TVs and whatever is after that. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so. Speaking of, you know, teams that we've played in the past and teams that we will play in the future, Alabama Huntsville, they announced. <laughs> they are still on the schedule. They are. <laughs> amazingly, amazingly so, Jason. I Some fans out there, you know, some listeners out there may not uh, be aware of the history behind Huntsville and what has has conspired over the last couple months but i remember i think uh was it you texting yeah me or, or yeah, it was, it, sending it, it, was it was either or me or bridget we te- i think we uh we did the group text and there had been the announcement uh from the administration at huntsville that they were cutting the hockey program and the first thing you My said was is again you're like yeah it was it was oh, this again. it was 2011 <laughs> when they announced they were cutting the program at the uh at the uh it was i think fall of 2011 that they were announcing that they were cutting the program at the end of that season. But the right. donors came through and they they got a reprieve and they saved the hockey program. But a few weeks ago, they announced they were cutting the program again, that the team had mm-hmm. been notified that this was it. Jason, skeptical man that he is, was like, <laughs> is this really going to happen or are they crying wolf? So... They had a go. Apparently, they're crying wolf. They had a GoFundMe they, campaign. They had a GoFundMe they campaign. It. Yep, they raised eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Which, which, I, pretty, and there, there was a group of former players that each uh, contributed one hundred and twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. The the Huntsville hockey uh, kind of alumni. So that was great of them to step up and, and make the commitment. Um, you know, they've, uh, as is the case with most sports programs, there are always guys of, of means who are uh, guys and gals of means who are able to do that and step up and make a difference. But, but what's, what's your thought? Cause I know that there's been, there's been a varying opinions and a lot of consternation on the part of fans. I'm always very happy that, you know, I like to see as many programs stay playing Division One hockey as possible since there are only about 60 teams. I don't want to see that number drop um, because I think it has implications for the NCAA tournament. I mean, you'd hate to get down to like 40 teams 
and be letting 16 of those teams into the NCAA tournament every year. Cause basically you're letting, you know, half of almost half of NCAA hockey into the postseason. you know, you know, for a long time, people have said that one of the issues with college hockey has been that such a low percentage of the teams that play are eligible for a postseason. And the remedies that I know have been floated around about how to expand the NCAA tournament would be killed immediately if teams lose. Like right. This, the league, the group of teams that play hockey has to grow. Otherwise, it's dying. And and that's the part that I hate. You know, I hate the idea that it's on a decline and not on an incline. I think that it's legitimate what they're going through. It's funny that it's the same team having to go through this again and again. But I really felt like they were kind of, you know, with everything that happened, they were strapped. That program struggled over the last few years. I think that program needs some success, some big games. Uh, they do because it doesn't it doesn't it's not going to help on ice performance or recruiting when, mm-hmm. you know, periodically the word comes down that the administration wants to cut the hockey program. And right now, you know, a lot of people are cutting a lot of things because of of everything that's going on in the world. So um, you you hate to see that happen for a program. They're kind of an outlier program. They're not in a traditional hockey uh, geographic hotbed. Um which is part of their appeal and part of the need, right? Yeah. It's just like Arizona. This the sport in general for you know most of the mid sixties through the seventies, probably into the early eighties, it was seen as a northeast upper midwest sport. Right. Like if you came from New England, if you came from Minnesota and Chicago and Michigan you know, you played you played hockey and that was understandable. And of course, you know, there's always it's Canada's sport, so you always knew that there were people there. But you know, outside of that, you really didn't have anything. The thing that really I've i I know a lot of people who believe this, that the thing that really turned the the key, got the NHL over the hill was when the NHL got into Anaheim and San Jose and LA and those teams started to have success. Right. When they had success, that was what brought the NHL into this mindset that this is a sport that I can enjoy, even if I live in a place that doesn't get snow, right? And so I really look at programs like Arizona and Huntsville and say, and and we really need some Florida schools to come in. You know, I'd like to see some California schools start programs and have this like, Sunbelt Conference again. Yeah, get into and get into some of those larger um those larger markets that, that are in the warmer markets, that are yeah, right. larger non-traditional markets that are that are not in the the cold like you said um kind of rust belts and uh New England states, you know. Right. And so here's the thing is if when we, to bring it back to Huntsville, if if the situation with Huntsville, this GoFundMe program that they had to go through to make sure that they can keep the program going. If this is not a short-term band-aid for them, the change that I feel needs to happen is on an NCAA level. They need to get exposure on TV. And whether that's, I think the biggest appeal right now would probably be an ESPN plus kind of package where college hockey games across the country air on ESPN plus. And the schools can share some of the revenue from viewership of those sports. But yep. you've got to get Alabama, Huntsville, and Arizona and those some exposure. And if they can't perform at a level that's going to get them to the NCAA tournament, you've got to get some of the stuff, you know, develop the rivalries on a national level and not just a, you know, the people in Huntsville know that they don't like whoever. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would include the Alaska schools in that, too. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Get them some exposure. I mean, the, the tough thing for Huntsville is going to be if they don't get a conference. I know that, you know, early on when uh, UNO started their program, they really wanted to be in the WCHA. Uh, and then they kind of got the cold shoulder shoulder from Bruce McLeod and the uh, the come of the member schools at that time in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. So they ended up going CCHA. But for a while, the talk was was amalgamating 
with some of the independents like Niagara and Bemidji at the time that were in college hockey America. And now, you know, and you and I have talked about this uh, over the course of the last few weeks about, you know, the the dissolution of the WCHA, which is what Huntsville has been in, and the kind of the rebirth of the CCHA with the the schools that remain um, minus the schools that that maybe some of the more powerful schools in that uh, in that or influential schools anyway in that conference you know don't want to have kind of like when the NCHC formed they left out some of the schools that they did not want to have in there so you do wonder if uh, Huntsville will end up being a cast off and and can they survive as an independence I. I don't know if they can, and we might be having this discussion in the future. But, but I'm the type of person that I don't I don't want to see schools go away, and I I I know you're the same way too. Just because I I think it's important to have as many teams as possible playing the sport because I think it increases the profile, and I also think as you were talking about with some sort of a, a TV package like on ESPN three or ESPN plus, it's an opportunity uh, to have kind of a, a multi region appeal for some of those uh, streaming and, and subscription packages that, that some of these sports providers are trying to do. So, um, yeah, so I'll be interested to see what they have. I, I, you know, Bridget donated to the GoFundMe campaign. Uh, they also had a, a t-shirt campaign where you could buy a t-shirt. So she, she bought me one of those, the t-shirt campaign raised $33,000 and she got me one that said hockey is my favorite season and it's absolutely right. So I'm looking forward to getting that t-shirt. Uh, but I was happy to contribute, throw a few bucks their way, and uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens this fall. I know UNO's scheduled to play them. I have a niece that attends Huntsville. So uh, we were hoping maybe to go down there, but with everything that's going on, I don't know if that'll be realistic or not. But I, I would love to go down there and see what it's what it's like. But but uh, but good for them and good for the people who stepped up and, and donated money, the, the former players, uh, the fans on GoFundMe. That was fantastic. Yeah. So. And let's hope UNO never has to be in a position like that, right? No, and and you know UNO's had their financial struggles. I mean, back back when they they cut football and wrestling, you know, the, those are the hard decisions that you have to make when you're a smaller school and you don't have the big football revenue. So, so uh, I try not to be too judgmental of some of those schools because UNO has has had its struggles as well, and and may again in the future. You know, you just don't know. So speaking of upcoming seasons, we've got some news, at least, on the 2020-2021 season. Yeah, did you renew your season tickets? I'd have to ask Jolene. <laughs> I don't know if we have yet. but Yeah, Bridget's in charge not, of our tickets, soon. too, yeah. Uh, well, I will tell you that the deadline is June 8th, Jason. So uh, we are recording this on May 30th. So you get, you got about a week. All right. To get that in. It'll get done. You don't have to worry. It'll get done. And the ticket prices uh, did go down. So where we sit, which is in the upper bowl, kind of in the in-between, we, we actually sit right around the red line. But that, that those seats that are kind of in between the goal lines at Baxter Arena um, were actually referred to as Upper Premier. I had to go back and I had to find the brochure from 2015 when we got our tickets before Baxter Arena opened. And those are the Upper Premier seats, and they used to be $295. And this year, by our calculation, it's $270. So the prices went down. We had heard that the prices were going to go down in the offseason. So people got a little bit of a discount. Now, obviously, UNO was not anticipating... Um, you know, a global pandemic. So that might affect renewals. And you're as aware as I did that they had to send out some kind of clarification and some frequently asked questions uh, a week or two ago to try and um, kind of give fans some clarity on what the plans are this season. So what are your thoughts about I was the... surprised then. Yeah. I was surprised that they had to wait to send that out. You know, I fully expected that when we got the email that said it's time to renew your season tickets, that you would get notice as to what is the, you know, policy and and process assuming in the event that COVID comes back and you have to cancel games or they get to a point where they say, okay, well, we're going to play the game, but fans can't come to, to the arena. Um, 
I, I did not expect. There's been a lot of talk, at least on the NHL level and stuff. I know from having season ticket packages that there's there's some belief that in the next the 2020 2021 season for NHL that they may limit entrance to the arenas to only be season ticket holders. Okay. Because for those that don't know, the way that most sports kind of set up those those ticketing is is that you don't your goal is never to sell a hundred percent season tickets. You know, you, you leave, people think, oh, season yeah. tickets. You know, if you could sell them all, you'd, you'd sell out every game. But the problem is, is if you sell all season tickets, you're you're usually not going to. They have always a full arena. Yeah, Jason. They always leave some out for promotions and group sales right. because they have a person who's in charge of that. And then they also have some walk up sales so that they have an opportunity right. to you get. You always some, want game sure. by game sales because, in all honesty, like season ticket holders, if you've got you know in an NHL season, if you've got forty games to go to, forty one games to go to, uh, you know you might get fatigued, and there's going to be some games that you're not going to be able to attend, and and it's just the way it is, and so. I didn't think that I don't know if they will do that. I don't know that anyone has decided what the the fall will bring. Uh, I certainly know that as far as I'm aware, no one has said that that's what they're going to do. It's just kind of one of the talks about that's a way if we have to limit the number of people who are in the arena to still have fans in the arena, that's one of the ways to limit fans in the arena. Right. And that's one of the things like we run our, as you know, our neighborhood pool. And, um, you know, we're talking because we're limited on capacity currently to 25 percent of what the uh, what the facility um is rated to hold we you know we would have to limit it to uh members and right now we would we would you know limit it to people who had already been um members of the pool who are renewing their membership and we wouldn't take on any new um family or individual members and we wouldn't have any um guests coming to the facility just because we wouldn't have capacity to be able to do it and with all the social distancing measures and things like that that you have to do uh it just wouldn't be feasible to manage that many people and i'm sure that uno and like you said the nhl are looking at various things that they may have to do by the time october rolls around maybe they won't have to do those things but it's it's likely there will still be certain things that have to be accommodated because of that yeah i've heard uh a lot of different things about upcoming seasons and what they're going to do. And it'd be interesting to kind of get your take on this. One of the things I heard was that concession sales would be closed off. So they wouldn't be selling no alcohol, no soda, no hot dogs, you know, none of the fanfares, none of the, like nothing, just no, no, it's the game and the game only. And we're not dealing with food and drink. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, Using the pool example again, which I don't want to, but there are a number of pools here in the Omaha area, a number of the private pools. We don't know if the city pools are going to open this season or not. Um, the private pools are limit, either limiting concessions or closing off concessions, not having any food sales at all. And, and that's a, that, as we've talked about with all of these entertainment options, um, whether it's movies or whether it's sporting events, um, concession sales are a big part of it. And, and for sure at, at, at a sport like UNO hockey, beer sales are a big part of their, their, uh, their revenue, um, every year. So that would, that would definitely hamper things, um, at those hockey games. So what games. do you think? Do you think that it's a reasonable thing to consider can, you know, with everything that you know, do you think it's reasonable for them to limit or stop concession sales to something i mean they're gonna they're gonna have to do what they're gonna have to do i don't envy them in that decision at all um and again at this point i i honestly just i know this is a very non-committal answer but i don't know how i feel about that um it would be weird not being able to you know get a piece of godfather's pizza or you know get a pulled pork sandwich from the oklahoma joe's booth or or uh, or get the Omaha Steaks cheeseburger. Do you like how I got like all of those like sponsor names in there for UNO? Isn't that impressive, Jason? But but yeah, that was. But you forgot Cold Stone. And yeah, the, yeah. I know your your daughters love getting Chick-fil-A Cold Stone and and, and Dippin' Dots. Yeah. yeah, it would be really hard. I mean, it would it would. I got to tell you, taking like our our niece and nephews to a game. I mean, one of the things that they look forward to is 
the problem, maybe the thing they most look forward to is that when we take them down to get snacks and we wouldn't be able to do that. One of the things that would do is it would definitely clean up congestion in the hallways um, and in the concourse at, at Baxter Arena because you wouldn't have to deal with yeah. that. But boy, that would be a very, very different experience. I know, I know some people have talked about like social distancing in your seats, like having to sit six feet apart. Now, Bridget and I have five season tickets, so we can capably do that. I can seat in six, you know, seat one in the row and she can sit in seat five. So <laughs> it's about six feet <laughs> apart, Jason. But I, I know some people talked about weird, like, but you the would... concern isn't you, like, you and her live together, so yeah. the concern isn't the two of you. It's, it's the people six behind feet. us. It's the the people in front yeah, of us. It's six feet between you and the person that has the seats next to it's you. It's you guys who are in the row behind us, and you know, walk by. I think us. we yeah. could be six feet away though, because if the two of you sit in in one and two, we can we won't be <laughs> even remotely close to six feet away from you. But I mean, the issue is your daughters like to come sit with Bridget, so I mean, they do. Yeah, yeah. So the distance is good. And then some people have talked about like. You know, maybe people are seated like every other row, six feet apart. So you would only be able to come to a certain number of games per season. And I'm like, if they're going to do that, why even have the season? You know what I'm saying? If that's the way it's going to be across the country. I mean, I would. I I mean, that's rough when you're looking at season ticket sales because you're guaranteed to these people is these are the games you're going to be able to come to. Right. And that, to then yeah. suddenly in the fall say, oh, yeah, by the way, we know you bought season tickets, but you can only go to a third of the games that you bought. I mean, even if they offer a refund, I think that's kind of a, that's a tough sale on people who are supporting your program. It it is. It's tough. And this is, again, to go back to the pool example, this is one of the things where because our capacity is limited and we may have to do swimming blocks as opposed to the, you know, they can come at 1 PM and swim until nine o'clock if they want under normal circumstances Now we have a situation where you've got people who are like, well, if I can't, if I don't have access to swim when I want to come swimming, I want a discounted membership or I want a prorated membership. And most of the pools are saying, you know, the membership price is what it is. And, you know, we've got maintenance that we have to continue to do and, and we have to take extra steps and potentially have extra people on staff to handle some of these things throughout the season, at least the early part of the pool season. So... That's the same thing UNO's facing is what if they have to postpone a game or cancel a game for everybody? What if, you know, in early December, they're like, nobody can come to this game because there's been a, you know, an outbreak of some form in Omaha. And so, you know, as a precautionary measure, we're not going to let people come. Do you refund that money? Do you not? I know UNO addressed that a little bit in their frequently asked questions. They said that if they had to reschedule a game, so for example, if they had to reschedule the exhibition from October to say January, excuse me, you wouldn't get a refund from that um, because obviously they would be holding the game. So if you if you could have made it in October but can't make it in January, they won't refund the money. But if, for example, they have to, you know, just reschedule cancel. cancel the season. Or cancel a game. I, in those instances, it's, it appears that you would get some form of a refund. But I would just be kind of a giant mess. I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts? If it's if it's a hockey season, and even if it's hampered, and even if we're not allowed to go to every game, do you think they should still have it, or do you think they should just wait and essentially, you know, wait and regroup and then have hockey again? When the, the experience can be the full-blown, normal experience where everybody gets to attend, buy concessions, all that stuff. I'm of the opinion that you have to operate as if you can have a season in totality as, as advertised, right? I think that there's a, you know, there's a possibility that those things need to change. But to try to predict what measures you're going to have to take right now when you don't, when there's so much you don't know, I think is just, you know, I'd rather they, I'd rather they kind of do what they're doing in that we're going to have a season. These are the teams we're going to play. These are the weekends we're going to play. These are the times we're going to play. We're going to do this. And if for some reason something changes, here's our process for how we're going to do that. If the game's canceled, we refund your money. If the game's postponed to another date and rescheduled, then you get tickets to the rescheduled date. 
um, you know, and, and all sales are final. Like I get that, that, that I, I don't know a team out there that doesn't, you know, if you get sick, I'm sorry, you got sick, but yeah, that's the hard part. For yeah. Me, right? bas- like, basically that's, that's the one that gets me is, is the, the measures that they're going to have to take to make sure that there's safety inside the arena with temperature checks and I don't know, maybe the mandate masks. I had made the, I had made the comment to Jolene at one point in time. I said, you know, they always give us something with our season ticket packages when we go to the pickup event in the fall and stuff. Maybe this year we get a UNO branded face mask to wear to all the games. Yeah. You get one for each seat you have, you know, they might end up doing that. I would have no problem if they required that people wear masks to the games. I don't think that that's a problem. Um, you know, like you said, it's a you have to kind of hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, you know. And I think the the tough thing with season tickets is you've is since they have multi-month payment plans, they've they've got to, you know, get people paying and renewing now um, because otherwise it'd be a giant mess if you waited till, say, August until you had had more clarity on the subject. Um, you know, I think you have to do that. It's. I mean, it's just a fascinating time right now. Um, and, and I, for those who aren't living in, uh, don't live in Nebraska and aren't familiar with, the, you know, our local colleges and universities, some of them have announced that, you know, this fall semester, they're going to um, start August 17th and, and go through Thanksgiving. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be it. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to go into December and, um, that's definitely going to change, you know, the dynamic uh, of things. Uh, you know, the cynical part of me is like, you know, basically they're doing that because uh, they want to get football season in before the Thanksgiving, <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend rolls around uh, because it's such an important revenue source for so many schools. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be, it's a lot of things are going to change as a result. Um, you know, I, like you, I'm hopeful that things are, are significantly better by the time you know, the school year rolls around and, you know, this is a distant memory in the past, but gosh, we just, you know, based on a lot of the things we've, we've heard and how many events are getting canceled. Um, sometimes it doesn't seem that hopeful, but, but, uh, I'm hopeful we get to watch hockey this season because I have a 486 game attendance streak. I think it's 486. Maybe it was 488 after that last season series against North Dakota. I don't know, but I'd like to keep that going. And, uh, and uh, I'd like everybody else to uh, be at the games too, and not have it, you know, be some truncated or limited um, experience. But whatever safety measures they have to employ, I'm I'm willing to participate with. Look, we've all gotten used to carrying clear blast plastic bags into the arena, and if I have to wear a mask with the UNO logo on it, so be it. Yeah, the part that worries me though is your streak and. You're going to be coming to the, you're going to be driving to every game with the air conditioner on in the dead of winter <laughs> to make sure that when you pull up to the temperature check station, it doesn't come back at 99 points. I will, something. I will tell you the idea of temperature checks in that scenario worry me because you never know if, if you'll have a, a faulty thermometer or, the temperature in the arena or the temperature of my head when I take off a stocking cap. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be nerve wracking walking into that. Now I will tell you, I have watched um, some of these entities. I think it was, it might've been Shanghai Disney, which has, has reopened where they take your temperature. And if your temperature is high, they have you go uh, stand in a little waiting area for 10 minutes and then take the temperature again. I don't know that UNO would be able to do that, but I, I like that idea because at least, you know, at least my streak is still alive at that point for, for another 10 minutes. I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I don't know if they'll have to do that many things, if they'll have to do a temperature in the door or, or maybe they'll just have you sign a waiver, that type of thing. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely unexplored territory. So I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm nervous and I'm, I'm curious at the same time. So, so, but yeah. The other change I think we have to talk about is 
the post win celebration and i had seen on twitter that some people were other belief that while it has not been said so it is for sure going to be axed at least for the current season this upcoming season um, that the risk of the players being that close to the fans and having that many points of contact exposures uh, is just going to be too much. And I mean, I'll have you chime in in a second here on this, but personally, I think that I think that they're right. I think that as much as I love that tradition and I'd hate to see it go away long term, I think in the current state of things, to say at least for the season we're not going to do that is an okay thing with one caveat. If they decide that's the case and they're not going to do that, I think they have to come out and say, this is the way that we're going to make it up. You know, not just the stick lift at center ice, but what are the players going to do to make sure that they, re you know, keep that connection to the fans without having to be that close to or exposed to the fans? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't I don't think we will see the postgame celebration this season. I would hate to see it leave permanently. Um, you just never know. It's it's always easy to say it's gonna be a temporary change, but then if you like you said, if if they do something different to have the fight song celebration, like for example, I had heard an idea when Baxter Arena first opened because there's limited space down in the the uh, main lobby that there had been talk that maybe the team would come out onto the ice like they would put out the the carpet like they do for the national uh, anthem singer. Uh, it probably need to be a bigger like square of carpet or something and then have the team do their fight song celebration there on the ice by the team bench after the game and fans could, you know, stay in the stands and enjoy that. So that would definitely be a possibility for something that they could do so fans would still get the tradition and they could cheer and clap the team off but they wouldn't have you know the high fives and the the kind of the close close proximity because because yeah we were definitely crammed in the lobby there all you know you know like sardines in a can so it and there's no way that you're going to keep a six foot distance no the way all of, i mean there's you'd have to cut out 60% of the people that go down there to be able to maintain a six foot distance. The good news, the way that life works, Jason, is if we don't have the post, if we have a season here without the post game lobby celebration, we will probably win more games than we have ever won at Baxter arena. And we'll all be like, damn it. If only we could have that post game lobby celebration, it'd be great. So that, that would be, I would love that irony. I would love the irony of boy, when we, uh, when we don't have the lobby celebration, we have a, a lot of reason to have a lobby celebration. The team wins a lot of games, so I would like to see that. But yeah, I don't think we'll see it either. And that's one of the, that's kind of one of the sad side effects of all of this because it's a great tradition. It's one of the best in college hockey, and and I think it makes a difference when they have recruits into the building to to see games. I I think I think it's a it's a special time and it's something really unique that we do. So, um, but yeah, I I think they could come up with another solution that would that would potentially work. So, and the superstitious person that I am, my concern is that they take it away and, you know, UNO does something crazy, like goes on a run and wins a national championship. And I'd be like, crud. Now we can't bring it back next season. because. Well, exactly. Kind of like when we analyze how UNO does when Mike Gabinet wears his glasses wears versus his glasses. when he yeah. doesn't wear his glasses. Yeah. I, you're absolutely right, Jason. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see, but yeah, I don't think we'll see that tradition. And, and that is, uh, that's a sad thing. Cause that's, a, we always have a great time with that. I guess we won't have to yeah. rush down to the lobby to see it. I mean, I guess that's a, that's a good thing, right? Well, so no concessions and, and nothing to hang around for. We should be able to get out of there. <laughs> PDQ, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, what do you like? Just and one one final little thought here. What do you think about just limiting it to season ticket holders a, a, this season? Uh, you know, 
I mean, it's not. It, it would be interesting. Like, I almost think that I, I think oddly enough, I think my opinion on the matter is different for my NHL tickets than it is for my NCAA tickets. Like my NHL tickets, I'm like, oh, I think that's a stupid idea. I kind of hate it because there's so many ticket grabbers out there, and the I just I don't know. It just kind of worries me, right? But then on the NA, on the NCAA side of things, I sit there going, man, a that would it would be an interesting atmosphere because the people that go are are the people that are going to be the loudest, most likely, right. And B, if I can't go for some reason, my ticket's a premium finally. Because right now, <laughs> getting rid of your tickets is an incredibly difficult to do. Even when I go on and give them away for free, sometimes it's hard to find someone to take well, my and, tickets. Well, and Jason, back to the point about the, the season ticket package prices going down, UNO has been having struggles selling season tickets. So this might be an opportunity for them to retain some people and, and regain some people that had uh, lapsed in recent years. So that's a, that's a possibility too. And I've got to throw this in there because I, Jason, oh yeah, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say to the, the people that are listening and stuff, you know, A, these are all speculation things that we're saying. Like none of this stuff has been announced and, right. and don't go saying Mavpuckcast told me that this <laughs> is happening because that's not at no, all. No, Jason, Jason and I are just, to... Jason and I are just spitballing here. We're playing the guessing game like everyone else, right? But Here's the thing. If you're a fan of Maverick Hockey and if you're looking at next season thinking, will it or won't it? I'm I'm of the opinion that you really need to consider where you sit with season tickets. And and if you're if you're on the fence, you it's not far fetched that these teams decide that the best way to limit the number of people there in the arena is to make it season ticket holder only event kind of thing. Uh, so if you want to see, see, you know, hockey and you were a season ticket holder in the past, or you've thought about getting season tickets, this really is probably the time to do so just so that if you can see a game, you can see it instead of you being one of those people that just held out and well, now they're not selling season tickets and they're also not selling game by game. And, do you really want to be at the mercy of what I want to charge you for my season tickets when they're finally a premium? Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I, I would also, I, I think, you know, I would also add into that, you know, it, even if the season's truncated or if things go to hell and, and the season were to get canceled, I don't think that'll happen, but let's say that it does, you know, I understand money's tight for people, but um, it's nice to be able to support UNO hockey because it's something that's really important to me and I know important to you guys. We enjoy it every year. And, and you know, when we renewed a few weeks ago, at that point in time, we, we just like we do now, we don't have any idea what's going to happen this season. But, but we love the UNO hockey team and we love going and watching those games. And so we're going to support it. We renewed our five season tickets. So I encourage the rest of you to do it too before June 8th. But no, I was going to ask you, Jason, a moment ago uh, when I kind of interrupted you because obviously I talk over you all the time. So that's just what I do. That's what we do. <laughs> I think we have to talk about the fact that the tickets are going to be paper this season. Yeah, we need to. I'm not going to go on a ticket rant, rant. about that now. I are... <laughs> J- Jason thinks I may have caused, based on my rant during the hockey season this year about digital tickets that I may have caused paper tickets to to uh jump in the DeLorean and and make a return from the past uh, into the future but it is it's it's interesting they're not going to offer the season ticket holder cards you know credit card type tickets with the QR code this year they're going back to paper now they did say uh in the in the message that they recently sent out that they had thought about giving people a choice between books of paper tickets for the season and the credit card ticket. And I, I kind of wish they had given a choice because I would have gotten the credit card ticket. I don't know what you would have gotten. Because uh, I, I, I would have got, gotten. I'd gotten used to them. I, well, I would have gotten the credit card because we use the digital. I'm I'm big digital guy. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm more than happy that they went away from it. And, and I didn't mind digital tickets at all. I think there were funny things about how the system was implemented, but they could have fixed those types of things. The, the concept was, was 
on point to me. Um, so I'm kind of a little bummed that they're going back to paper tickets because I'm just not a fan of them. I am. I don't think it would have been a good idea to offer both. I don't think it would have been a, a good idea to, to make that choice because I think there's there's normalized costs with both measures, you know, particularly with technology. Like there's there's a cost to do the system no matter what. Right. And so you have to have that critical mass and there's re- it's very, very difficult for you to kind of plan on that critical mass. I think the big thing that I haven't seen answered in the stuff that they sent out or anything that I've heard after that is, even though they're going back to paper tickets, can I still get digital ones so that I don't have to carry the paper tickets and then I can just, you know, frame my season tickets on my wall or something? Yeah, I, I'm I'm assuming so, right? I'm assuming you can still load them onto your smartphone. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, they wouldn't have to do that. I, see, the, the only reason I'm hoping that they continue to allow that, and I'm going to assume that they will, I'm going to be positive about this, is because I don't know if they're going to have limits on what you can bring into the arena. They, they already have certain limits because of the um, clear plastic bags. So if they're if they're very, very stringent, not wanting to pe- people to bring in a bunch of outside stuff, you know, the question becomes, you know, we like to keep if we get a season ticket book, we like to keep the book intact. So we'll bring in right. the book and then scan the tickets in the book and then still. We were the same way when yeah. we had them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not able to do that, I would really prefer to be able to just load those tickets digitally onto my phone. And I think you had told me that the, uh, that it works through the wallet uh, app on the Apple watch. Yeah. So I, I would just do them that way and then I wouldn't have to carry anything at all. And I could preserve my season ticket book and it could be a nice souvenir, like, like the many seasons of season ticket books that we have intact are. So yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's weird that they decided to go back with that. Um, but but we had talked about this before, and I promise, Jason, I'm not going to get on a big rant here. But I think, you know, sometimes even though people, you know, have smartphones and they use a computer in their job, sometimes I think they like the simplicity of a paper ticket. It's easy. It's easier for them to give to somebody else than do the digital transfer thing, although we digital digitally transferred tickets to people all the time, either tickets we were given or extra tickets that we had. And it was really no problem uh, to do that through the system. But some people don't want to deal with technology that much. So maybe they felt it was, it was uh, just easier for people if they had a a paper ticket to deal with. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we will see. (laughs) And if they don't have a season, it doesn't matter anyways, right? Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) Well, is there anything else we need to talk about for the good of the cause? You know, it's been a while since we've talked, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird to think about not having a hockey season, not having the Mav puck cast this fall. Um, the good news is you and I are working on some technological things. It's, uh, we're recording a new way right now, which I think is probably the best way you and I have recorded remotely since we've done this podcast. So yeah. as I say that, let's, let's hope that you know the final product isn't a complete dumpster fire so jason's recording his track separately at his place i'm recording my track at 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 my house so so we're just gonna have to see how it goes but uh but yeah we've got uh we'll we'll have to do another episode here coming up talk about uh our all maverick team which our friend kevin shreves keeps wanting us to do and now that you've seen some of those vintage games, you have a little bit better idea about some of the some of the stars on the UNO roster back then. So we'll have to do our all-time Maverick team uh, and do that. And uh, if we hear about the uh, NHL playoffs, we might have to get get back together and talk about that here in uh, the next month or so. Yeah. yeah, and I think we need to do uh, where are they, I guess, kind of where are they now? Yep. Um, we just had the draft for the... USHL and some of the Nebraska UNO recruits uh, have a place to play this fall, assuming that we have hockey. 
So we should probably talk about, you know, another recruiting kind of thing. And take a look at our recruit episodes. will probably work take a on. look at our recruiting class because we have not uh, we've not yeah. done an in-depth look at the class. And speaking of where are they now, a uh, former Maverick who uh, left after the 2018-19 season loss in McDonald uh, is playing hockey. It's uh, uh, Wisconsin Superior and uh, which is a Division three school. And he has a YouTube channel now with some fantastic videos that kind of take you behind the scenes of, of his training regimen and hockey trips. And uh, his video this week, he talked about why he transferred from UNO. So there's some interesting details. Um, and you can find, I wrote a blog post on his channel uh, and uh, it's pinned on the MavPuck Twitter account. So if you go to twitter.com forward slash MavPuck, you can find a link uh, to that blog post and it's got a link to his YouTube channel. He's got some great videos up there. I love... Uh, I love that really genuine kind of authentic behind the scenes look from Lawson and and he's reached out to both of us and it was great to hear from him. Um, and I'm sad that he's not on the roster, but I'm, I'm glad to be able to keep up with him because some of those old bulls, uh, you know, you don't always know what they're doing. So. Yeah. You know, we talk about a community in Omaha around the hockey team and stuff. And I think that the support that I've seen from Mav puck fans and, and Maverick fans in general kind of thrown his way, I think just shows that, you know, we really support the guys no matter how short their time was here or, or you know, what they were when they were here. And he's doing, he's doing a really good, I, I like his channel. I like the videos, you know, he's, he's doing a great job there. Uh, and we wish him the best of success at Wisconsin Superior. Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of great guys come through this program and, and sometimes things don't work out, but you know, great players, some of the best fans in, in all of college hockey. And uh, it's it's just great to be a part of it. So, so uh, you know, based on what we were talking about earlier, I, I I'm sincerely hope we get to see hockey this season and you and I get to get to a rant and ramble on about it. But uh, but I would. Uh, and if not, we'll have some random episodes here coming up uh, throughout the summer and stuff to try to keep up tabs on, you know, where the guys are and. You know, we'll do an episode around that all Mavs team, so keep an eye out for that. Keep following us. Keep uh, tuning in that's and right. listening follow, we appreciate that's your support. Right. Follow MavPuck on Twitter, Facebook. You can find links to all those at MavPuck.com. And in the comment section below. And the comment section below. <laughs> and until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs.